Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Happy Father's Day. Please stand with me. You guys sure look pretty, I want to tell you that. I really did miss us together. Yes, yes, I enjoyed the check, but thank God. God bless America. Let's pray together. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. Thank you for your goodness and grace. Illuminate our hearts this morning, we pray with your word. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, everyone says? Amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Wish that man next to you a happy Father's Day. Happy, happy Father's Day. So I'll be honest with you, I'm glad to be back from the check. We spent 11 or 12 days. Um, most of that was planned. One day was not, but that's okay. We wound up doing good anyways. Whenever the pilot says we have to order a part, we're not going to fly out today because we have to order a part because the screen might go out. I'm thinking, I don't want to be over the ocean and the screen go out of my plane, you know. That's a bad situation right there. So we'll wait. But uh, we did have a good time. But I'm telling you, as soon as those wheels touched down at JFK, man, I started singing the national anthem. I was putting my hand over my heart, you know what I mean? Um, if you would open up your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. Today we're going to discuss five marks of a man. Now, man is interchangeable with father here as I give it, uh, as we discuss together. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a man, amen? It's a good thing. And Paul here gives a great definition. Now, as we begin to start this, I get excited because this kind of really applies to everybody. If you're in that boat, like many of us are, where we're trying to be better fathers, better men, then this will help encourage us and maybe cause us to aspire to be a little bit more. Um, maybe it'll also help recognize that uh, maybe that man beside you do, does have some of these characteristics, and we're thankful for that. They're trying to do that. And then if you're a, if you're a female and you're thinking, I can't wait to get married but I don't know what to look for. Well, maybe we'll give you a little map of the man that you should look for, amen? So yeah, yeah, write this down so it's good. And if you're a young man thinking, I want to become a man, well, take notes too, you know, take notes. Uh, a short pencil's better than a long memory, so take some notes there to help you. It'll help you out. Paul does an amazing job. Now, this is Paul. Paul's an amazing man. He's a man's man. Okay, he's one of those guys, he's got the resume, been shipwrecked, been beat, preached the gospel, preached till people fell out of windows and died. I mean, this guy has a resume, right? Been in all kinds of situations and preaching to an army in the midst of it stops, switches languages and starts preaching again. I mean, this guy is a man's man. Sleep out on the rocks, you know, he doesn't care where he sleeps and what he did. He's been stripped naked and beat and, and, and been hungry and been rich and been poor and he says that he's, he's done it all. So that's the that's the man that we're, we're talking about here, but it's also incredibly important to know that as he's writing in the context of this letter in chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians, we see that he constantly uses the word brethren, brethren, brethren. So he's talking to the brothers of the church. Now that's important. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 13 through 14. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all you do be done in love. Now, there's five things that we're going to look in here. It's going to help us become better men, better fathers. In the ESV, one thing that I would like to mention, in the ESV, be brave is also act like men. Okay? So where it says be brave, it says act like men. Now, the New American Standard Translation is kind of like one of the best word-for-word -word translations. The ESV is kind of the most scholarly approach. And the only reason why I say that is not to sound smart, but to kind of let us know as I use it a couple different times here. But here, the, the King James Version, the New King James Version says, be brave. The ESV says, act like men. 
So there's nothing wrong. See, it gives us something that we should reach for. It gives us this desire that becoming a man is something that we grow into. It's something that we should want to do, amen? And I love what Paul is saying here because he's not telling women to become men and he's not telling men to become women. He's not telling, uh, right, I know. I'm probably gonna get some emails and that's okay. What he's also not doing is telling women to take the role of a male and males to take the role of women. In the Bible here, he's shooting straight. He says, listen, you need to act like men. You need to be brave. And uh, that's pretty powerful stuff. So that's, that's kind of what we're shooting from here. The year is 1555. Hugh Latimer is being walked to his death. See, he had this crazy ideal that the Bible needed to be translated to English so that all men could read it, not just a certain few, then tell people what to do. Well, the authorities did not like that at all. And he was sentenced to a fiery death. He was sentenced to be burned at the stake. So Hugh Latimer is walking to the stake. He says this to his young, his young protege, Ridley. Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. See, he knew something they didn't know. He knew that what they were doing was causing a martyr, but what they were also doing is spreading the gospel throughout all the world too. Because what he believed that he was doing, he believed was worth dying for. But he says this to his young protege. He says this, he says, play the man. Now that's very interesting that he would use those words in 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 12. Joab is the fierce commander of the Israelite armies. I mean, he knows his stuff, kind of the general leader commander. He's surrounded. If you read that, if you read that whole, um, that whole uh, chapter in there, you see that he's, he's got enemies kind of on either side of him, and it's really not his doing. He takes some of the choice men of Israel and sends them one way, and he goes another. And he says this, he says, be of good courage. He said, because if you need help, I'll go help you, and if we need help, come help us. But in the King James Version, what it says is it says, be of good courage or play the men, play the men that the, that the towns need. Let us play the men for our people. Let us play the men. See, even Joab understood that there was something that only men could do. That it wasn't only because women couldn't do it, but it was the responsibility given them to them by Almighty God. So there's some courage, there's some strength, there's some excitement that God has ordained us to be men of God, to be fathers, to help lead our households and lead the community. And we don't have to be ashamed of it, and we don't have to apologize for it, amen? Surrounded, he said, play the men that our town needs. Oh, God, that we would have men that would stand up and fill in the gap and play the men that our community, our town, our homes need. Amen. No matter the cost, and there will be a cost, especially in today's society. 33% of the homes living without a biological father, uh, 33% of all the homes in America live without a biological father in the house. Female-headed homes... Children, the children of those homes are four times more likely to live in poverty, repeat a grade, have emotional problems, struggle with depression, and be obese. Prison inmates share one common trait, most of them, a lack of the father in the home. 
So we can see it throughout society, and those, those stats hurt. They're difficult to hear. But then we live in a society which will say, yes, we do need more men to stand up, but we won't tell them how to become men. We want more men to protect us. We want more men to stand up and to lead and do the things that we know that they're ordained to do. But then we get kind of mixed up on the definition. How many of us know God already knew all this before we were where we're at today? It's in the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the word for me, amen? <laughs> I'll stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Now here, that's what Paul is helping us understand. He's given us a great definition of, of some things that we can look at, traits and characteristics. Now, the truth is we all have boyish moments. Do I got some men in here that, come on. You're, you're going through Bass Pro, and you see the fishing pole that you have longed for. You're going down that electronics aisle and you see the 70, 80-inch TV that you have longed for and you put your face up against it and you begin to pet it and talk about how <laughs> it is coming home with me today. That four-wheeler that you really don't need but is super cool to drive in the sand to chase cows with, you know. I was thinking about this on the, on the plane ride. When you got nine hours on a plane ride, you got some time to think, you know. You're kind of in a enclosed space there. And some of us, you know, some of you guys are farmers, and you sing the song, Take you for a ride in my big green tractor. <laughs> I, it's, it's, and those last let me know, like, I did that the other day, dude. I was, yeah. And you have those boyish moments where we have those, but there's a difference between having those boyish moments at time and living as a boy. Living in that constant place of complaining and needing excess and more and more. And if I don't get my way, then everybody's going to know it. That's not what we're talking about this morning. Paul lays down some very great fundamentals, acting like a man. Something that we don't have to be apologetic about. Something that is our God-given right. But there's some characteristics that we need to be serious about, and Paul helps us understand. The first thing I love that he says in verse 11 is watch. He's, he's saying, listen, brethren, you have to watch and if we're going to be a great father, if we're going to have the true marks, mark of a man on our life that is godly, we have to watch. Man, we have to watch for the vision of our family. Amen. Every one of us as fathers should have a vision in our heart of, God, where are you sending us? What are you wanting to do in our home? My vision won't be your vision, and your vision won't be my vision. But there should be some commonalities. Amen. Because we all share the brotherhood of the Lord. So there should be things. But we should watch over our families as the ancient Israel. Israelites stood on the wall and watched for the enemy as men and fathers we must stand and watch and guard our homes when we see the enemy approaching we begin to talk and rebuke them in the name of the Lord we begin to see that we begin to have to make decisions because we watch we watch what's on our tv screens we watch what is on the cell phone screens we watch the conversations that our kids are involved in we watch the environment of our neighborhood and where we go we watch our community we should be watchers as men amen we watch we watch for the protection and the safety and whenever we do that it's amazing when we think of the the, the wonderful things that happens we have to watch the temperature of our of our household you know that old saying, if mama ain't happy? Y'all can finish that, right? Yeah. Or, or like we've talked about, you know, we said, like you ask, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Well, that usually doesn't mean your wife's doing fine. You got to be watching what's going on. Or how many of you guys have ever had this? Mary's looked at me from time to time and said, Callie is your child. You go deal with her. <laughs> yeah, buddy. 
So that means something, something's a little wrong there. We got, <laughs> we got to watch the temperature of our household. We have to watch our people. You know, what, 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 is our, what is our youth going through? What is our children going through at this moment? What are they encountering at schools? We can't be boys and just be consumed with ourselves and video games and nonsense like that that won't help us. But as fathers, we stand and we watch for our family, amen? And then whenever we do that, we see their confidence rises. We see their self-esteem rises because if dad believes in them, how many of us know that's had great dads? That whenever daddy believed in me, there's a lot of stuff I could do. And whenever our Heavenly Father believes in us, oh, that the whole world might not, but man, God said I can change. God said I can go forward. And you add that to a father who can look at you and tell you the same thing I'm telling you. That makes you more than a conqueror, amen? It builds that confidence whenever we watch over our family. It, it builds that ability. We have abilities in our lives that just need to be unlocked, and many times the fathers have the key to those locks, our self-image it's our identity that we find in Christ that we find in ourselves that we don't have to change and hope and work ethic. There's so many things that when we watch that it's increased in our home through our children. Psalms 121, I love it, chapter, verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all harm. Doesn't that sound like a great father? We just want to protect our kids, don't we? He will watch over your life. Isn't it amazing I'm learning this now. Callie's 12, but I'm learning this. You just never get through parenting. I'm serious, right? You just, it's, it's a lifelong commitment that I'm just going to father for the rest of my life. 45, 50 years, it doesn't matter. The Lord will watch over, you come, over your coming and going for both now and forevermore. See, men who watch, watch for life. Listen to me, young men and young women. Whenever your father comes to you, and they have a word of advice. Many times it's just because they've done, been there and done that and they're trying to save you hurt and time and frustration and anger. It's, it's, I, can, I can just almost guarantee it's never out of arrogance. And I promise you it's really not out of delight. Nobody wakes up and says, I cannot wait to correct my kids today. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to sit down and have that eye-to-eye conversation that's super awkward. Oh. You know, donuts for everyone. You know what I mean? We, we, don't, we don't do that. So whenever they sit down, but it's that lifelong commitment of being a watcher, watching the temperature, watching over your families, giving them those things that you're needing. Paul is saying, listen, man, watch. I, I love it where it talks about without a vision, my people perish. See, if, if you're experiencing some, some, some death emotionally or spiritually in your home, fathers, have you lost your vision? Have you lost your vision for your home? You know, that thing that wakes you up and you look at your kids and you know that they can become something great. So it drives you back to your knees. It drives you back to the word and you cry out for God to shake their lives that they could do amazing things, right? Oh, we will not give into that. Paul continues here, stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. He continues, I love what Paul saying here. Listen, sometimes you're just gonna have to make up your mind as a dad that it's, this is how it's gonna be. The world won't understand. Your friends won't understand. And here's the most difficult part about being the priest of your household. Many times your family won't understand. But if God's spoken to you, you've got to do it anyways. They'll look at you with tears running down their eyes. They'll look at you with looks of not understanding. But you say, I must do it anyway. I must go forward and do what God has called us to do. And we're going to stand, fir- stand firm on His faith and His calling. What, is our lives, what does our lives have to reflect that? 
Fathers, how many times does kids walk in on your Bible study? How many times do they walk in on you praying and worshiping your Lord and Savior? See, there's a difference between knowing I need to do it and knowing it's important and actually doing it. And as fathers, whenever we do that, that's part of that stance in the faith. It's part of that verse that we've heard so many times. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But that starts with as for me and myself, I'm going to serve the Lord. Because remember, ah, remember, we teach what we know. We reproduce who we are. You want a child that prays? You want a child that reads scripture? You want a child that stands in the faith? Then fathers, we must do with everything we can to fight for those things in our life. But you don't understand, I'm not a reader. Get an audible Bible. Push play and sit there listen to that dude and let it get in your spirit, amen? I'm not a studier. Hey, studying usually don't come natural anyway, so we're all in the same boat on that deal. So dig in your heels and get after it, right? I love this, I love this. Curly's Law, so you guys remember City Slickers? Yeah, yeah, some of you guys do, back from the 90s. Some of you are like, I wasn't even born yet. I know, I know, okay? So Curly's this old kind of older cowboy. He, these, these guys from the city come down and want to be a cowboy. I want to be a cowboy, baby, okay? So they come down to this ranch in this movie, and they work it, and it's pretty funny. I think it's got Billy Crystal and some other people in it. It's pretty, pretty funny, but there's this character named Curly, and it's actually known as Curly's Law. And they ask him one time, they say, how do you become a man? And he says this, he says, find that one thing, focus in on it and make up your mind that you're gonna do it. What's that one thing? Stand firm. It's what Bill Gates says when he says, I wanna see a computer on every desk. Henry Ford had the same vision. I want a car in every hand of the working man. See, they stood firm on what they believed on the vision that God was calling them to. See, this is the thing. Fathers stay focused, boys tend to drift. Fathers stay focused, boys tend to drift. So we get that focus of our vision of our family and what we're going to do, and we stand fast in the faith because that vision has to be birthed through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Activities are wonderful. But at the point that activities start running your house and you stop running your house, that's not a good thing, guys. And we live in the land and the world of activities. And I'm not against that. We, do, we have activities and we have fun. But listen, whatever your kids as fathers, they grow up underneath you. Remember, we teach what we know. We reproduce who we are, okay? So we have these activities in our home. Whatever they see you produce the most sacrifice for is what they'll serve. Think about it. Whatever we produce the most sacrifice for, people will serve. Elijah on Mount Carmel, God answered by fire, licked up the whole sacrifice, caused the whole nation to bow down. In our homes, it's the very same way, but we stand fast in our Bible study and our prayer and our fasting. We do those things. And when you stand fast, be ready for that resistance. I love it. I was talking to uh, Pastor Stanislav's wife. I can't pronounce her name, but she's a very lovely lady. It's a very Czech name. He even looks at me and says, it's hard to pronounce, don't worry about it. I say, okay, Miss Stan, how are you doing today, Pastor Stan's wife? That's... He was encountering some difficulty as he was wanting to do the building projects, and he came home after about the third time. And his wife looked at him and said, good. We know the resistance. We know that we're taking ground for God, because if there's no resistance, are we really taking ground for God? And I've come, to, I've come to just, I told her when we were sitting down, we were, eating, we were eating some duck and some other stuff that I didn't know, but it was really good. 
And I told her, I told her, I said, I want you to know I repeat that saying quite often because it helps me understand that resistance is a good thing. Winston Churchill said this, you have enemies, good. That means you stood for something. What a great line. The British bulldog, the leader during World War II that really brought the Brits to where they needed to be. Fight them in the land, fight them in the sea, fight them on the beaches. Oh, had the top hat and a cigar. He looked like a bulldog. It was pretty comical. Good, you have enemies. That means you stand for something. As men and fathers, we stand in the faith. We know that everybody's not going to understand or going to agree or going to like it, but that's okay. We stand anyways because we know what we're standing for and we know who we're standing for. Amen. So although they may assault our reputation, they may assault our character, they may assault our intelligence, yet we will stand on the solid word of God because we know when we stand there, we stand where we need to be. Amen. Stand fast in the faith. Paul continues here. Standing in the faith also means we have to stand against the tide. This is the reason why the next thing that Paul talks about here is he helping us understand we got to be brave. We have to be brave or act like men. Bravery is something that it's something that we all hope we have, but sometimes we don't know we have it till we need it. Can I get an amen on that? We don't always know it until things happen and difficulty strikes. One of my favorite stories is about Team Hoyt, and I believe they're going to have a picture here behind me. Team Hoyt is a picture of a father and a son. And in the spring of 1977, <clears throat> excuse me, in the spring of 1977, Rick told his father, he said, I want to run a 5K. There was a gentleman, there was a kiddo that was injured in their school, and I want to run a 5K to help raise money for him. But the only thing is, Rick was born with several palsy. So he couldn't run. Now, Dick, his dad, had never ran a marathon. He was a, he was a Air National Guard commander and some different things like that, but he had never ran, uh, ran a, a 5K or a 100K or anything. But he did it that day for his son, and this is what his son said after that day. Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. Well, that charged something inside of him to dig deep and be brave and do things that he wouldn't normally do. Go to places that seem scary and push his body beyond his physical, really beyond most people's physical ability. He took a wheelchair and put an 80 pound sack of concrete and began to practice running around as if he was pushing his son so he could get ready for the next event. Over the, the, their team, now both of them have since passed, but this is the, the realization of that moment really began to build. And since that time, they ran over a thousand races. Their thousandth race was actually the Boston Marathon. I mean, they competed in marathons and duelathons and triathlons. He did all kinds of stuff and he worked. He even ran across the U.S. in 1992 with his son. 3,735 miles in 45 days. They said whenever he was a triathlon and they would do those, after, of course, this is how they would, this is how they would run, and they had a special bike that he would pedal that his son set in, and then for the triathlon, for the swimming portion, he would take a strap and put it around his body and put the young man in a boat and jump off and begin to swim and pull that young man in that raft as he went where he went. I've seen some of the pictures and some of the video. It's pretty, pretty amazing stuff. But this is what he said. He said, <clears throat> this is what Rick said about his dad. The thing I'd most like to do for my dad is to sit in the, is, 
excuse me, the thing I'd most like to do for my dad to sit in the chair and that I would push him for once. See, brave men and brave fathers have something that so many of us, that, that, that others just don't have. They have the power of influence. They have the power of their children looking at the father and saying, man, I want to be like him. I, one of these days, when it's my turn, I want to serve him like he served us. It takes a lot of bravery, man, to be that type of father. To be that type of father where we don't see barriers, but we see a way to bust through the barriers. Yeah, we walk through an open door whenever we get the chance, but we got to make it happen to get to the other side of that door so we do what's necessary to make it through the door. And that takes brave because we never know what's on side of that other door, do we? The reason why so many people don't really want to be brave and they struggle with it is because usually there's a lot of suffering that comes with it. There's a lot of difficulty on that other side. I love what, I love what, um, in the, mark, the five marks of a man that Brian Tome, book he wrote, he, he said this, fathers, they don't dream big, or men, they don't dream small or give up early. See, if we're gonna be the fathers that God has us to, ordained us to be, we dream big and we keep making it happen, man. So fathers, thank you for all those times that you got on your work boots and you went to work, whatever that looked like for you. Thank you for all the times when you really didn't want to deal with people that day, but you rolled up out of bed, got yourself together, got in the office, and got it done so you could provide for your family. Thank you for all the times that people didn't see the tears running down your face as you were crying out for your kids, as you were crying out for your wife, as you were crying out, God, one more time, please make a way for us. Those times whenever God spoke to you and you began to launch out on things in your life and you thought, I don't know even what I'm doing. I'm in some unchartered water here. Congratulations, because you were the brave father that your family needed. Thank you for doing that. Whenever Paul says to be brave and act like men, that means we, 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 we realize, first of all, we realize that it's not about us, don't we? The many decisions that you've had to make has not been based on what you want. See, that's the difference between a boy and a man. Boys make decisions that only affect them. Men make decisions that affect everybody. And they take that into consideration. So they don't make a decision and swing it one way because it puts them in a better spot. They do whatever's necessary for their family. It doesn't matter the impact that it has on them as a man. We have to work together. I love this act like men because he's helping us understand that a brave man, you know what a brave man does? It gets help act like men. See the camaraderie, the growth, togetherness, Proverbs 27, 7, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It takes a very brave father to sit down with another father and say, hey, you've been here, you've done this, could you help me? It takes a very brave father to sit down and say, listen, this is where I'm trying to get my family to, this is what I'm trying to do, would you please show me some of the steps to get there? It takes a brave father, and many of you have done that, it's not enough just to have that vision, but we have to be brave. We have to do the things that causes difficulty and suffering. Paul continues here. He finally, he comes up in, in number four. He says, listen, I want you to be strong. I want you to be strong. Let's not misrepresent what strong is here. Strong looks different for so many people. Strength is something that is often misrepresented. It's not only physical, 
Some of the strongest men that I've ever met in my life are constantly on their knees before God in prayer. They're constantly some of the most humble men I've ever met that is trying, Holy Spirit, I have to have you speak to me. I have to have you show me to do it. See, whenever we're strong, one of the great characteristics of a strong man is that they realize that God is in control. The year is 60 A.D. The story is in Acts chapter 27. A ship carrying 276 men in cargo. Paul is on this, the Apostle Paul. And he knows what's about to happen. I mean, the Lord's already told him, that, listen, this dude is going down. It is going to be a shipwreck. It's going to be shipwrecked right in front of this island called Malta. Man, people are going nuts. They're casting off of, they're casting cargo off. I mean, they're doing all kind of crying out to whoever will listen, you know. It's funny what happens when you get desperate. Some funny things happen, doesn't it? I mean, the wind is going crazy. The waves are going crazy. They throw anchors off. It breaks the ship apart and all these kind of stuff. But in the midst of all that, Paul walks out and he says, listen, he's calm. He says, listen, he says, you guys need to eat. Truth is, this ship's going to be wrecked. Whatever you guys do, it's going to wreck. But we're going to be saved, and we're going to get to Malta. He walks out, and he's calm. He gives directions. He's collective. As men, that's what true strength is. Whenever things hit the fan, when there's more month than there is money, when we've had some health scares and some crisis, when we don't know how we're going to pay the extra that we need, but we need God to move, we walk out and we lead our families with calmness because we teach what we know, we reproduce who we are. And it's amazing. If Paul would have gone out there and been like, let's all jump overboard, I don't know what God's going to do. <laughs> have you ever, ever been in that situation where you thought, I just want to jump overboard, I want to get out of this mess. Like these turkeys, man, they can swim by themselves, man. I know I can make it. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, come on, be honest with me now. It's men, we don't get to do that. Because we are there for the protection. We are there to help survive. We are there to help lead. And men, as you come out and show that true strength and say, I, I know we're in a pickle. I know we're in a difficult time. I know we're in a situation we didn't ask for. We didn't put ourselves here. But you know what? God is sovereign. He will take care of us. It's amazing how that bleeds off and that translates to your kids. Now all of a sudden their faith begins to build. Now all of a sudden your wife's faith begins to build. Now all of a sudden you're in a household of faith instead of household, a household of confusion. Faith is of God, confusion is of the enemy. So once again, we stand in that gap as men, and we, be, we become strong and say, listen, I will hold myself. It's okay to be strong. You know, it's okay also to have some strong opinions, isn't it? It's okay to have some things that you've planted your feet in. Now, I, I don't split the church wide open or a family wide open, Amen. But it's okay. It's okay to have some strong opinions about things. I love what Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, it reminds us. Nehemiah says, Go and rejoice, eat the choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. The day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. After Nehemiah has been strong and built this wall and done all kinds of amazing things in the story, that visionary leader men do. At the end of it, he reminds everybody, listen, your true strength, where it comes from, it's the joy of the Lord. It's the joy that we have as fathers and men that we know that God's in control. God, you're in control in the midst of the storm. You're in control when it's peaceful. 
You're in control when everybody's sick. You're in control when everybody's healthy. You're in control when there's not enough money. You're in control when there's more than enough money. God, I will stand in your joy because I know that you are sovereign and you will make it and you will allow us to make it through. But we have to have that strength, the same composure that Paul walked out on that ship with. And he said, listen, things are gonna happen. God's not gonna pluck us out of this situation, but know that as we walk through it, God will be with us every step of the way. And when we have that mindset, fathers, and when you've had that in the past and you continue to do it, it's amazing what it does to your home. Man, it can change the atmosphere and the climate where, they're th- where your wife, your kids are thinking, listen, we can make it through this. We can do this. So continue to have that. Be strong. It's not all about physical strength although I do think that has some to do with it. I think it's very important, though, that we understand that strength that the Lord is talking about. Be strong. Be strong. And finally, he lands here. Do in love. I love verse 14. Let all that you do be done with love. Paul here ends in an amazing way. Everything that you do in your household, try to do it from the position, from the spot of love. When I correct, I correct in love. When I guide, I guide in love. When I speak blessings, I do it in love. How many of you guys have ever spoken a blessing, not in love, you just wanted somebody's behavior to change? Well, I'm going to bless them then. Well, we've all been there. If you've had kids, you've for sure been there. I'm about to bless that person with a busting. You know what I'm out? I'm going to get this thing straightened up. But he says, whatever you do, do in love. It's an amazing thing when you think about how much God loved us that he gave his only son as we sang about. Not withholding anything so that we could be called the children of God. I love 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. It teaches us a principle there. Kiddos, whenever you're doing your best to try to follow your father and you don't understand, it seems like it's going opposite of the world, and you see that pressure, do what they ask. Because as your father loves the Lord, chases after him with all of his heart, the world won't understand. Because the world didn't understand God, they won't understand a godly man. But fathers, whenever you draw that line, we learn a principle from here. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Whenever we lavish that love on our kids, our wife, our homes, and we are extravagant about it, how beautiful, how wonderful, how amazing, how they can do so things. When they come to you and they make a mistake, you just look at them with eyes of love and do the best you can to help them out, whatever it is that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are, that our kids would look at us one day and say, that's my dad. That's who I belong to. But that happens because we lavish love. That happens because we watch. That happens because we act like men. We play the men that our family needs us to be. And listen, our families need us to turn our eyes from the screens. Our family needs us to turn some of those noises off. Our family needs us to be men of prayer. Our our family needs us to be men of action, men of decision, men that will seek God and turn our face from the world. Oh, but men, when we do that, It puts our children 
and our family's in a place where we say we belong to him. That's our dad. And it's an honor and a privilege. And that's our prayer here at Ray of Hope for all the fathers that are listening and they're in the audience today. That you become that man and you continue to strive to be that man that God has called you to be. Be watchful in prayer. Stand strong. Do those things that are necessary and people won't always understand, but we know that God understands. And if he tells us to do it, we need to do it. Would you guys stand up with me all across the auditorium? What we want to do this morning is just pray for our fathers. We want to encourage you guys and let you know how much we appreciate you. One thing this church has always been known for is strong men. Amen? It really has been, and we appreciate that. This is going to take a little while. The good news is, men, we're not going to hand out roses today at the altar, so you're good. So nothing weird, okay? <laughs> nothing weird. But I am going to ask, would all the men just slip out of your seats and come down to the front of the building? Come down here to this altar area, kind of squeeze in. We're going to give you a couple minutes here. And we want you to squeeze in. Amen. Yeah, come on down. We love you guys. I mean, come on, man. This is, we just got permission to act like men. We can speak Neanderthal for a day. Meat, physical intimacy, and strong drink. No, I'm just kidding. Coke, I mean Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is what I'm talking about. Let's act like men. Continue to do. You guys... So much are on your backs at home, and we realize that in the church. Kids are looking up to you. Young men are looking up to you. Wives are wanting to follow you. So keep doing what you're doing. Now, I'm going to ask everybody else just to slip out from your seats, if you would, and come down to the front. We're going to pray a prayer blessing. Can we do that over the men of this church? Amen. Five marks of a man. Oh, there's many more marks, but I think Paul helped us arrive at a conclusion. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful. We're going to give this a second. Don't worry, we haven't forgot about the drawing. We're going to do that shortly, okay? Yeah, I haven't forgot. And it's only 11.57. Way to go, Pastor Matt. There you go. <laughs> Some of you are like, I think he got saved today. <laughs> uh, I love you guys so much. Okay, ladies, children, stretch out your hands. Let's pray over our men. Father, thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. We feel your spirit in this place. And we're grateful to have strong men, men who act like men, who are brave, who are willing to stand up for their families and do the things that are necessary, God. Forgive us in those boyish moments when our vision is lacking. Forgive us in those moments when we grow selfish and help us to get out of those moments but live a life that we act as men. We play the men that you said that we could be, God. For our community, for our families, for this church, for this nation, God, let it start with us. 
And Father, thank you for the boldness and the courage of these men who are willing to lead their families, lead their community, lead their businesses, God. Give them vision, give them blessing, give them favor, God, in those moments where they're crying out for their families and their children, God, let the breakthrough happen, God. Thank you for men who seek your face and turn from the world. Thank you for the encouragement and the hearts. And Father, simply we all fall short of the glory of God. So as we repent of our failures today as men, God, we know that your grace overflows it. And you will make us strong where we are weak. So we just confess those weaknesses to you and we need your help, God. Father, I pray that these men are the light that you've designed them to be. Give them the grace, give them the goodness, give them the mercy, the direction to be, God, the leader of their home, the leader of the community, God, the leader of this church. Father, if there's anybody in the building that is struggling with a health crisis or a spiritual crisis or whatever crisis it might be, God, that you would touch them in a special way, God that you would open up a door blessing on them. Give them direction, we pray. Father, thank you for letting us come together. We celebrate you being the greatest father of us all. Our hearts are bowed to you. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. And if you believe that, can you say amen? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen, we love you. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.